1: Okay, a couple of things. First, the Harry Potter episode we talked so much about. That was supposed to come out a few weeks ago. It obviously is not out yet. I probably don't have to tell you why. Uh, After J.K. Rowling's controversial and what many people consider to believe transphobic tweets, it just doesn't seem like the right time to release that episode. I feel like it would be insensitive to do that right now. I'm not saying that we're never going to release it, because I actually think it was a really good conversation. And we really talked about Harry Potter and its impact on the YA industry as a whole. And I think it gives a lot of good context to that discussion. So there may be a time and place for that to come out. But for right now, we're just going to shelve that one. Other than that, I just want to say thank you for downloading this show, whether it's this episode or another episode. 100% of our ad earnings from the month of June are going to go to the Trevor Project. We also donated 100% of our earnings from the month of May to Black Lives Matter. That includes earnings from both the podcast and the website. If you want to learn about why, you can go to bookstacked.com slash be kind. There's a hyphen between be and kind, or you can just click the link in the show notes. So with that said, hope you enjoy the show.
2: This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked
1: you're listening to bookmarked a young adult book podcast brought to you by Bookstacked.com. this is episode 38 and today we're finally talking about the ballad of songbirds and snakes we've got that coming up so stay with us The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Everybody is talking about this book. Everybody's been reading this book. And now we can finally discuss it ourselves. Definitely excited to get into this episode. Since the book has been released, there have been a lot of comments amongst our team in like our, our private Slack group that we chat in. Uh, so definitely, there are a lot of thoughts, a lot of, I think, mixed feelings at first glance. That seems to be how people are feeling about this book, uh, kind of mixed. Uh, But definitely something to talk about. So we're going to go ahead and introduce everybody who's here. So first we have Michael. Hi. We have Eleanor. Hi, everyone. We have Spencer.
3: Hello, everyone.
1: We have Addie, who I think got dropped off the call. So we'll have her say hi later. And we have Brittany. Hi. Brittany, it's been a while. It's good to see you again
4: thanks it's been so long I've missed y'all so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but there have been some big developments in your life, right?
4: yeah, crazy. I became a flight attendant, I got engaged, and it's been a crazy past couple of months and year.
1: <laughs> That's so exciting. Well, we're happy for you. people can't Thank see you. people can't see, but in the webcam uh, a couple of us were clapping our hands so <laughs> definitely exciting it's good to hear something nice happening amongst all like the terrible news that has been out lately so that's for sure that's awesome we're happy to have you here with us thank you one of the things we want to remind everyone is that if you like the show, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review an Apple podcast. You're going to help us out. and You're also going to help other people find the show. Um, and then you can also share your thoughts and comments about anything we discuss in this episode or even some of the other episodes that we've done in the past. You can do that by reaching out to us through voicemail, email, or Twitter and links to all of those are in the show notes. Uh, like we said, there are a lot of thoughts and I think feelings about the ballad of songbirds and snakes. So It'd be great if you guys wanted to chime in to share your opinions. Maybe you agree with something we said, or maybe you disagree with something uh, we're about to say, but whatever the case you can join in on the discussion as well. Again, those links are in the show notes. So that said, we're going to jump into our regular segment. What are you reading? I'm going to go ahead and share what I'm reading right now. And that is the shadow of Kiyoshi by Yi. Well, I said I'm reading it, but I'm, about to start that book i'm hoping this next week the book comes out july 16th and it's a sequel to the rise of kiyoshi which is a spin-off of avatar the last airbender which if you've been listening to the show for a while you know i'm absolutely adore the avatar avatar the last airbender so i was very excited when i was able to get my hands on an advanced reader's copy for shadow of kiyoshi haven't started it yet but the first book was amazing and also, Avatar The Last Airbender is on Netflix now, at least in the U.S., so there's really no excuse to not be watching this show anymore. It's incredible. It's like a really, really, really good YA book. I don't know if anybody else here has seen the show. I think Spencer's seen the show. Haven't you?
3: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm a big fan. I I tell people I think it's the best children's youth television that's ever been made.
1: For sure. It's the only thing I put on the same pedestal as Harry Potter. <laughs> so I love it that much. It's so great. So I'm definitely excited to jump into that. Again, that book comes out July 16th. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and jump in to our discussion about The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. What I want to do and start off with is a quick round, uh, just kind of get your guys' thoughts. On a five-star scale, what rating would you give The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? So if you were writing your Goodreads review or you were writing a review for Bookstacked, what rating would you give this book? Uh, Brittany, why don't you start us off?
4: <laughs> okay. Um, I think I would honestly give it a four.
5: I think I would give it a very hesitant four as well. Maybe like a 3.5. But generally positive.
2: Yeah, I I give it four stars as well.
3: Oh, no. Uh, on my Goodreads, I did give it two stars. Um... We'll talk about it later. I'm not going to hate on it. I just think it wasn't for me. It wasn't what I wanted.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm kind of surprised for a second. I thought we were all going to be on the same page because I also gave it four stars. I think I gave it like a 3.9 on my book stack review. It just didn't quite hit the four for me, but it was really close. So I think we should start with Spencer then. (laughs) Um, Two stars. What, What were your thoughts about this book? You said it wasn't for you. What do you mean by that?
3: I did not particularly like Coriolanus Snow nor his story nor did I enjoy the the experience of reading 500 and what was it 2080 pages of it it was long I felt like it could have used a lot of support from the editing department uh, I am just if I'm just speaking honestly I think I just got bored like that's why I gave it a 2 is I just got bored at times and I struggled to even finish it um which isn't to say there wasn't it really enjoyable more moments sprinkled throughout. Like I think the book had some great moments. But as someone who's just a casual Hunger Games fan, that's why I say it wasn't really for me. I think if you love the Hunger Games, you'll still probably really enjoy this book. But if you're hesitant to even read it in the first place, then you might not <laughs> might not enjoy it as you go. For me, I've like, seen a lot of the people saying that it was kind of boring and kind of long
5: and drawn out. Like For me, like, I've been reading The Wheel of Time recently, which is kind of Infamous for being long and drawn out and boring, but also like epic. So it's like because I've been doing so much, like 600 pages for me, and this kind of felt short. So like I was really getting into the details and like because Wheel of Time is a very detail-oriented story, so I spent a lot of time just really devouring the the details and the history and getting really into the story. Also, really didn't like snow, so that's kind of like what dragged it down. Like I, I just didn't care about Cordelia's story. Like if he hadn't been in it, I, I wouldn't really have noticed. So that's kind of just what drew it back for me.
2: I, like I sort of agree with what everyone's been saying so far, which is weird. Like the story wasn't the story that I wanted. Like that wasn't the prequel story that I wanted to be told. But nevertheless, I thought it was still. For the most part, written well. Um, there were some issues that I had with it, which I'm sure we'll like, get into a bit later. But despite the fact that it wasn't the tale that I wanted to be told, I could still see the amount of effort that got gone into it. And I still read it in a few days and like really got through it. So yeah, despite the problems I had with it, it I could still appreciate the positives and what it does for the home games world.
4: Yeah, so I'm kind of like Spencer as far as being a casual Hunger Games reader. I don't remember all the details of books. I just kind of read them for enjoyment. And at first, I'm not really a huge fan of prequels. And so I wasn't even sure I was going to pick this up in the beginning. But then that excerpt came out and I was curious because I've always been intrigued by nature versus nurture and kind of what makes somebody who they are. So I really enjoyed it for what it was as far as a story being told in a world that we already know about. Um, I did definitely think it was too long. So I was like, I probably could have done without some of the details that they added. But overall, I pretty much enjoyed it. I loved getting to know Snow in his earlier years and kind of what made him into who he is in the world we knew.
1: I also want to get Addy in here because Addie was with us right before we started recording, and then her laptop, I think, broke. Addie, since you're just catching up with us, uh, everybody just kind of shared where, what they would have given the book on a five-star scale, and then sharing their overall impressions. Where are you in terms of The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes?
0: I'd probably give it like a four, based on the fact that like everybody else, is, from what I heard, it wasn't the book I was expecting. I wanted like a history of what caused the uprising and the war that led to the dark days that led to the Hunger Games. That being said, from an anthropological point of view, which is what I majored in, it feels like it was kind of like a written exercise of nature versus nurture. There was a lot of clashing of that within Snow and you know within himself. I thought it was very contradictory. I have mixed feelings. On this book, I don't know how to label those feelings other than just they're mixed.
1: yeah, I think that's totally fair and i I think like Eleanor said, everything I've heard I pretty much agree with it's every like I agree it was too long, too slow. I also definitely got those nature versus nurture vibes that you, Addie and Brittany, just pointed out. so all of that I, I totally agree. Speaking of Snow, I feel like we should talk about him a little bit because this is his book, right? And maybe we can start with that question of nature versus nurture. What kind of villain origin story do you think this was? Is this did he turn into somebody bad, or was he just kind of like that by nature? What What are your thoughts on on his character and what we learned about him in this book?
2: I think he was always bad, and I I really liked that that was how Suzanne Collins chose to portray him. Because I know a lot of fans were really scared and we were really scared that it was going to be like a, almost like a redemption story for him and a bit of a sympathetic tragic backstory. But I don't think she pulled any punches. She just went in and was like, no, well, he had all these opportunities to redeem himself and he didn't. He had all these opportunities to realise how corrupt the system that he lives in is and he didn't. Like He continuously chose the side of the capital and the side of Um, Like the oppressor essentially and yeah I don't think it was a redeeming story at all I think it was a condemnation of the character and I thought Collins was really really brave in doing that and I really liked the way she did it
5: I didn't ever think that Suzanne Collins was going to make well that was obviously the, the worry before but I didn't think she was actually going to make him like the big hero by the end of it and there was there was a lot of moments where like especially like in his capital standing you kind of see that he's kind of made out sympathetic, but then it's always undercut with something that, as you say like he always does something for his own selfish motivation. He always does something for his own selfish gain. So I, I like as well that it wasn't just like a he didn't just become a dictator villain by the end of it. Like there's still a lot of story to be told between the end of this book. And the start of the Hunger Games, but I, I really like that. It's kind of like a really subtle villain story. Like there's just just these little moments, like the way that he talks about the the, the tributes, like the, his. I like the writing as well. Being in like third person, you're not like that close, in, like obviously, Katniss is first person narration. You're not that close to his head. But there's just the way that the kind of capital and Snow himself like think about those in the districts. Like I really like just those kind of little subtle indications that he is going to be who he becomes.
2: Um, I just a quick little. I just want to agree with the um, point of the point of view that it's written from because it's really good at showing this is what Coriolanus Coriolanus thinks. But it also shows you. But this is how everybody else thinks, and this is how a normal person thinks. So, yeah, I think it being a little bit separate from him, you see where he's going wrong, and you see the contrast between good and evil, pretty much.
1: Glad you Hmm. point that out, too, because that was one thing I was wondering, was why did she choose to do it from, like, third person? And uh, I I couldn't really wrap my head around it, but that explains it. (laughs) It makes total sense, yeah.
3: Yeah, I agree that the third person is a, is a strength as well. And because I think I would find it terribly frustrating and disturbing to be inside Coralanus's snow head the whole time. But I will say that I, I found his motivations at time like somewhat confusing or inconsistent to me. As in we were told his motivations, but we weren't really shown them. As in he says he wants to be the president and I still don't know why, um, like why that appealed to him. Um, He says he I get that he wants to kind of restore his family name, but he honestly doesn't seem to care very much about his family, (laughs) Um, perhaps Tigris. But he just kind of hates on his grandma the whole time. Um, He hates on his classmates. He hates on his teachers. He hates on everybody around him in the capital, but then also simultaneously supports everything that they're doing and seems to think that the capital should continue running the way it is. And so. I'm sometimes just like confused as to what he actually wants and, and where it is inside him that tells him like, what is it that tells him he needs to be the president? He needs to be in charge. What changes is he trying to make in his world? Some of that kind of got lost on me. And I wonder if anybody else felt that way or or felt differently.
4: I feel, I think a little differently because I definitely believe that he was more selfish than not obviously, but I do think I saw that care for his cousin Definitely a lot more than his grandma because his grandma doesn't really do anything. I mean, she's kind of just there for the name and their status and title or whatever. Um, But I think as a teenager, you kind of think that money is going to solve all your problems. And especially when he's so poor, you kind of think, like, I have to be the best of the best so nobody can take this away from me again. And especially with everybody keeping up the appearances that the snows are this great family or whatever. I think being president is nobody can ever think down on you or bad about you because you're on the top and you don't have to worry about your home being taken away. You don't have to worry about scraps of food as adults. We're a little bit more on the realistic side. Like, no, we can't all just be president to get rid of all of our problems and money doesn't make your problems go away. But I think when you're still a teenager and you don't really know what the real world is like especially in a setting of the capital versus the districts type of thing that he's just thinking it's going to solve all of his financial problems
2: yeah
5: I've also just found one of my notes here the, the highlights that I took in the book which says Tigress and the grandmam had recovered somewhat from the shock of Arachne's death spoiler alert and we're declaring him a, natu- a national hero, which he waved off, but secretly relished. He just wants to be, like, a hero. He just wants everyone to love him. And that's that just makes him worse, I think.
1: You know, thinking about it, where I really felt the contradiction in his character was in his interactions with Lucy Grey, which is someone we haven't even spoken about yet. <laughs> um, and she's huge on her own. But I was always wondering, did he actually love her or was he just using her? And I think by the end I get I come to the conclusion that it Oh well, actually even by the end I'm not entirely sure. I think I leaned toward he was using her and she he was she was convenient for him. But I saw that there were some moments where I almost felt like maybe he was feeling something for her. And that's where I felt a lot of contradiction in his character. I don't know if any of you had thoughts on on the whole love story that was I really wasn't expecting in this book
0: I wasn't expecting it either that threw me for a big loop and like you said Saul it seems like he's using her but at the same I think they were using each other except that I think Lucy won in terms that you know she sort of like she played She played him knowing that, you know, he kind of lives in this, like, capital bubble while she has lived in the real world and, you know, plays with people's emotions. And I think she played him knowing that if she played her, like, hands the right way, he would help her win because he was, quote, unquote, falling for her. I mean, even towards the end, I think she did win. And that kind of, that action of you know Snow losing to somebody who he seems as an inferior person because they're from the district that was a big like snub that I feel influenced Snow's cruelty per se towards his future as president and then the Hunger Games
2: yeah I also see the contradictions in Lucy Gray's character but I think, well, the ending's very vague on what actually happens and who's in the right and what's real and what isn't. Um, So I'm not sure that I would agree that Lucy Gray wins because I think that Snow's opinion about her is that he's obsessed with her. It's not love. It's just this obsession. He has to own her and like she's his. It's emphasised many times throughout the book that she's his girl, his tribute. She belongs to him. And the threat of Billy Torp is like sends him wild and it's that threat ultimately that makes makes him make the decisions at the end that he does and so yeah I do agree that she there are some aspects of her character that maybe she is playing him at first maybe she does try and use him for the fact that she thinks he's got money and power that can help her win but once she's out of the games I think it turns very much in Snow's favor and his just need to own her
1: obviously we could keep talking about this but i'm going to cut that discussion there we still got a few more points we want to go through and touch on uh, but we're going to take a quick commercial break first so we'll see you in just a second we talked about coriolanus we also talked a little bit about lucy gray i just before we move on too much did anyone have any other thoughts about Lucy Gray that they wanted to bring up? Because she is such an interesting character. And actually, her story is tied surprisingly quite a bit to Katniss's. For me, that was probably the biggest surprise in this book was how much origin you kind of get, especially as far as the songs go that Katniss sings in the original trilogy. I,
0: after reading the book, I kind of want like a book just about Lucy Gray now, just because all those little... The bits and pieces and like origin of the hanging tree and just like little like easter eggs that suzanne collins laid in whenever lucy came on the scene kind of makes me feel like she might be somebody however many generations away related to katniss i just want to know more about her now like i kind of got excited when we found the origin about the hanging tree.
3: I would love to know more about Lucy Gray. Uh, when I was reading, I really wish that this book was from the perspective of Lucy Gray. Um, myself personally, uh, I actually got really frustrated at times that I felt like we didn't know enough about her. Of course, this is partly due because we're seeing things from uh, Snow's perspective, and he's the worst. Therefore, he doesn't really like value her as a whole human. And as a result, she doesn't really come off as almost a full character to me. She does all these interesting things, but we're just observing from afar. And I don't actually feel like we got to know her very well. We don't really know what her motivations or her feelings or her experiences are. It came off almost kind of manic pixie dream girly to me, as in she was just this wonderfully musical rainbow colored girl that send snow on this trip. Um, Again, that's his own fault for the way that he was viewing her. But it, it left me as a reader wanting more of her and less of Snow.
4: I definitely wanted more. I was expecting to see like a revelation that she is somehow related to the Everdeens or to get some sort of Everdeen in there. <laughs> um, but I think on the opposite side, I don't think we were meant to, especially with this book being about Snow, like Lucy Gray – I believe is, or is owed. I don't really know how to say it, but um, she's basically how you get the Hunger Games the way they are now, because Snow saw the way that she was treated in the zoo, which is now how the tributes are no longer thrown into zoos and are treated a lot better once they get to the Capitol. And so I think she is basically owed credit to how the Hunger Games are and I don't think Lucy Gray ever really leaves Snow's mind even as an adult and as the Hunger Games progress to what they are in the original trilogy but I think with this book being mostly centered on Snow we aren't meant to get a glimpse of Lucy Gray even as he views her as like his object basically like she is the object of what the Hunger Games become.
1: That's an interesting point. One of the questions I had when I was reading too is, are the Hunger Games in this book worse or better than the Hunger Games in Katniss during Katniss's time? I honestly don't. I honestly don't know.
4: I think from a viewer standpoint, like if I was watching, obviously from the my TV or whatever, they're definitely a lot better in the Hunger Games trilogy because they're, like, more exciting. This sounds awful, like, how exciting to watch kids die, but, (laughs) like, they just have a lot more things coming at them. Like, in the original trilogy, it's more about actually killing each other more than just these kids are going to die anyway, but that sounds really morbid, so... (laughs)
1: And it, it kind of makes you look a bit internally as well, but I think, and and I would say the original books are better than this one, and I think one of the reason one of the things that makes them better is that there is a lot of hype and suspense leading up to the game itself, and when Katniss gets in the arena, it's very I don't know, it's very action packed it's very fast paced you're. You're worried for her and you can't stop reading. And in a sense, you're kind of like the capital <laughs> because you're, you're reading this book for entertainment the way they're watching it for entertainment. Um, although you're doing it with some disdain that they don't have. But anyway, I kind of felt that way too, though, when I got to the end of this book. I was like, the games were kind of boring, for me at least. And I think that made the book a little bit boring, strangely enough.
2: Yeah, I think the the games definitely were born in this book. And I think that reflects the society's attitude towards them because the capital hate, like nobody likes the home games. There's like the people that make money off it. And I guess the mentors, but no one seems to like it. Like even the people of the capital, like um, Tigris and some of um, Snow's uh, colleagues and friends, they don't condone it and they don't find it a good way to, to pay for the war that happened previously. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the fact that the games were a bit dull and a bit boring just adds to this whole society of them hating the home games. But then that leads me to one of the many questions I have on finishing this book is, well, how did they go on for the 64 years? Like, if so many people hated them so much, how can one person or Snow and the game makers make them last for so long and make them this, like, national treasure almost
3: i think eleanor asked a really important question and it, it stuck out to me as well because also from this book we're kind of led to believe that it basically is snow who single-handedly uh you know creates the games as we see them in in the original hunger games trilogy as in apparently every single idea of like all came from him um like he came up with um the ideas for sending packages and placing bets and 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 because it all comes from him. It does almost seem somewhat impossible in my mind that he single-handedly kept us all going. So that felt kind of short for me in that regard.
0: You know, even the, like Eleanor said, the Capitol themselves hated the games, which I think goes back to the, again, the whole nature versus nurture. Even though the people in the Capitol had suffered through the war, it was in their nature to, you know, kind of oppose it. Like, haven't they suffered enough? Haven't we suffered enough? Let's move on. But then... Towards the end of the book, we see that Snow has is working with that crazy scientist that I can't remember her name right now.
1: Doctor Gall.
0: There you go, Doctor Gall, with her fe- crazy feathered snakes. You see that with all the propaganda, they they kind of n- nurtured, you know. And obviously, it took however many years before we got to the to Katniss's Hunger Games, but they nurtured the culture of the Hunger Games into sort of brainwashing the capital people and following generations that, you know, this is a good way. This is how we move forward. This is how we show our power. And I think just plays again to the whole nature versus nurture thing.
1: Well, I mean, I guess the, the idea that Suzanne Collins is trying to portray here is that that bloodlust can be manufactured by someone or, or a system or an organization. And I think it becomes even more chilling, too, when you look at some of the inspiration she took for the Hunger Games, one of them being like the Gladiators, for example, way back in the day. It's like crazy to think that that would be normal or considered entertainment, but that is part of history, right? That was a real thing that happened. And it kind of causes you to stop and think and ask yourself, are we doing that still today in a different way, in a way maybe that we're not aware of? I think that's what makes the Hunger Games so, what's the right word, relevant? I think, to, to our society and why it's resonated with so many people.
4: You know, it just takes, I think, just one person to try to convince you that this is okay. If you keep telling people over and over what they're supposed to believe, then sooner or later, the way the world used to be is kind of just forgotten.
1: What surprised you the most about this book? Maybe it was a character or a plot point or an element about the world or something she decided to focus on in this book. But what surprised you the most about The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? I can say for me, I was actually surprised to see so much about the history of Panem. I know a lot of people wanted that and were asking for it, but it was something I was honestly always okay not having. And I found my I found, I was pretty surprised that I found myself really drinking it in and enjoying hearing about all the different details and kind of seeing how everything came to be i think if we're going back to the ratings i think i would have given it a lower rating but i found the stuff that you learn about panem and the creation of the game so interesting that it outweighed some of the the worst aspects of the book for me
5: i was kind of surprised that she didn't yeah, she didn't make snow out to be like the hero Once I started reading it I kinda realised okay that's not where we're gonna go but like before it I was genuinely worried that just be like really sympathetic, kinda like there's the Joker problem again. I was kinda just surprised that she made a she wrote a full six hundred nearly six hundred page book about a bad guy who was never really good.
2: But I really liked that it was that it was him all being bad because we always say that we want the villain story that we never get the villain story. It's always redemption arc. And she did it. Like she just was like, yeah, I'm going to give you this villain story that you all want here. Have it. He's a horrible human being. Nobody likes him. They go do with it what you want. I just, I just quite impressed. I thought it was very cool of (laughs) it.
1: I wanted to add to, I think it was a mistake marketing wise. And I think it was a marketing decision to really try and label him the hero when they first announced the plot and everything, they said, meet your new hero, President Snow. <laughs> like, what the heck? I, I don't think it is. Nece- I don't know if it hurt the book a ton in sales because this book is selling well and it was always going to no matter what. But there's definitely even just yesterday, I saw someone tweeting that they were disappointed that Suzanne Collins had written, had tried to make Snow redeemable. And reading through this person's tweets, it was clear that they actually hadn't read the book this was a conclusion they came to before I probably the book was even released it totally makes sense that they came to that conclusion because that's how the book was marketed and so now you kind of have this belief out there that this book is Snow's redemption arc and it's not that at all
5: no I was just going to make a comment about a person making an unfounded claim on Twitter like that never happens
1: right right that's <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised uh, but yeah, I just feel like it was a bad marketing move, for sure. It was because that's really not what this book was at all.
4: I was just going to state that I think I was surprised to find myself sympathizing with Snow. Um, and I think it's interesting that you bring up the marketing of him being a hero, because I think if you're in the Capitol and the way he turns the Hunger Games around, he would be considered the Capitol's hero because he is. You know he helps make the um, the Hunger Games watchable, like people want to tune in. And so I want to say they were wrong because you know most people would not sympathize with the Capitol. <laughs> you don't want the Hunger Games to be a thing. But at the same time, I mean, hello, we still tuned in to watch the Hunger Games or to read the Hunger Games. We still turn tuned in to read about this villain. And I think it's kind of just a, I just think it's kind of ironic that he was labeled a hero in the marketing. Um, And I think it just depends on your viewpoint of the series or snow or however you want to take it. But I was actually surprised at how much I sympathized with him in the beginning. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how did you turn into such a bad guy? And then, of course, you keep reading and you're like, never mind. (laughs)
3: Um, I'll add. I was surprised by how familiar the elements of the story were, as in how many things were revisited or set up from the original Hunger Games series. Both good and bad. There were times where I really enjoyed that, but I'll also say like I was surprised that Collins didn't take the opportunity to show us something new. I was really surprised we didn't see any of the other districts. I was fully expecting to um, wake up in District two or seven or nine or, you know, anywhere else but 12. Um, And so I was surprised that that is where the story ended up. I didn't see the story heading back to District 12 when I started reading. So pros and cons, there was things I liked and didn't like about that, but it was very familiar. So many things connected back to The Hunger Games from Tigris to Coriolanus and Lucy Gray uh, eating Katniss, Potatoes and saying Katniss like four times in the chapter. Um, it just keep come. It kept coming back over and over again. All the connections to to what we're familiar with.
4: I will say, especially not going to District Two because it's brought up so many times when it talks about. Se- se- I don't know how to say it. Se- Sejanus. Sejanus. These names yeah. are so weird. Yes, but how often District Two is brought up? I'm surprised that we didn't actually visit that at all.
1: It does, in hindsight, seem like an opportunity lost when, when you when you think about it. And one of the things that I felt really risked toppling the book was how connected it was. I think I mentioned that in the review I wrote for Bookstacked. I feel like she tries to give an origin story to almost everything from the Flickerman family to the songs Katniss sings. And I, I did feel like it was too much... Times And I do even feel like it does cheapen some of the aspects of the original books a little bit. It just makes the world seem so much smaller. Um, on the, at the same hand, I do kind of like that it adds a little bit of irony to the original books. Like, I can't imagine what was going through president snow's head all the times katniss was like wearing a mockingjay pin or starts to sing the hanging tree song and all this stuff like i I would love to have a few chapters in his mind this is the only time i really want to see in his head um, his reaction to katniss and all the things she does when she was in the hunger games
5: yeah i think towards the end as well like in the last day part when he's in district 12 like i think there's just like a few too many heavy handed references. Like, he learns about mocking jays and he just instantly hates them, and it's like, oh, okay, I see what you've done there. Right, okay, he hates mocking jays. And then it's repeated like four times, and it's like, oh, really? I wonder, I wonder why he hates, mo- I wonder why he hates Katniss so much. Like,
2: <sighs> the mocking jay thing was actually the one thing I didn't mind the reference to because I thought it really showed. How he has this obsession with control, and the mocking jays are the things he can't control. Um, but everything else, I was like, we like we get it. We know that this is the Hunger Games prequel. Like we've seen this before. Like you can make the connections yourself. I think maybe some more independence should have been given to the reader in those aspects. I
0: was just gonna say, um, I was kind of not surprised, but like disappointed at the fact that we got like a few mentions of Snow's grandmother's rose garden. And that was it. When we see the roses play such a huge symbolic part in the trilogy, what is the big significance about the rose? I was kind of sad. We didn't get a bit more explanation as to why his obsession with this, that specific flower is. I mean, we know why he has them in the, in the trilogy, just like to mask the scent of the poison and the sores in his mouth. But what led to the obsession with the roses? Cause even in the movies, In the films, you know, he has his rose garden and it's all about the roses for him.
4: Random question, now that we brought up the roses, because I don't remember all the details in the original trilogy, too. But does he eat the petals in the original trilogy to help with the sores in his mouth? No, they're genetically
0: I think they're genetically modified to like smell sweeter. So they mask the odor of the sores in his mouth because of the poison he gives his enemies.
4: Oh, okay. That makes more sense. I was like, you mean like the way Lucy Gray ate the petals? <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, never mind. My, that
4: makes more sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, my understanding was that he never eats it. It's that I, I think he, he'll sit around, he'll poison his enemies, but he'll also drink the poison so they don't think anything is suspect. And yeah, just like Addie said, it's basically really strong perfume. So nobody can really smell the blood. It must be really strong. blood in his mouth or something
0: well i mean i know katniss says that like oh like um i think i can't remember i think i want to i think it's a
4: mockingjay
0: and i think there's like a like a single rose left in the study um in the vic in her victor's mansion and she i think she describes it as like a sickly sweet smell that like it's it makes her feel like nauseous because it's just like
1: overwhelming Oh man, there's so much we can still talk about. The one last thing I want to say is uh, because we've only mentioned him in passing, but he's such a huge part of this book. Is Sejanus? He was the biggest. He was easily one of the biggest surprises for me because I was just surprised that somebody could talk so openly about their disdain for the capital as he does, and he gets pretty far uh, before he meets his untimely end. Uh, he gets pretty far speaking so openly, and it's just, it's totally not something that could have existed in Katniss's time. You can see why Snow cracks down so much later on, uh, I think, when he looks at Sejanus and, and what Sejanus was, how, how Sejanus really threatened to topple everything over.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with that. I thought he was very outspoken, especially being an outsider to the Capitol. I was actually surprised that he wasn't like killed or like taken somewhere off by Dr. Gall or any of the other like higher ups in the academy because he was just very, very out there with what he was saying. And I think they were like in their discussion class or something. And he basically was just like, this is all just a bunch of BS. This is not, this should not be happening. What's the point of all of this? And they're just like, okay, sit down, just write about it. We'll come back later to it.
1: Yeah, there's so much more to say, and I want to keep going, but we really got to wrap it up here. Thank you to everyone who joined in and listened. Again, we'd love to hear what you have to say about the book. We'll share it in a future episode. Uh, You can reach out to us through voicemail, email, or Twitter, and those links are in the show notes. Um, Again, you can follow us on Twitter at BookmarkedYA. Look up BookmarkedYA on Twitter. You can also follow the website, Bookstacked, there as well. Uh, Do we want to go ahead and share our personal handles also?
4: My Twitter handle is B-R-I underscore T-A-N-I 92.
5: Yeah, I'm at underscore Michael Burns on Twitter and at burns on Instagram.
3: Uh, Yeah, if you love the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes and want to tell me why I need to update my Goodreads review, you can (laughs) find me on Twitter uh, at Spencer B. Miller. uh, The B's a middle initial.
2: Uh, you can find me on instagram at words and stars and i have some other links to other social media on there as well which is a lot easier than trying to go through it all
1: <laughs> but you did just launch a booktube channel which i feel like people I would did. be interested in
2: i did it's very scary <laughs> yeah so my booktube channel is a few videos in it's also at words and stars so yeah it's all it's all connected there to so your hearing pleasure <laughs>
1: And then you can find me at Saulmark. That's S-A-U-L-M-A-R-Q on Twitter. And we will have links to all of those in the show notes. Last thing, again, if you like the show, please subscribe to us. And also leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. That will help a ton. Until next time, thanks for being here with us. And we'll see you.
2: Bye.
3: Bye. 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 Bye.